The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT and Take12Radio.com are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder and Monty Meyer. And now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, greetings everyone. Happy New Year to all of you. I made a resolution this year, Chris, that I'm not going to make any resolutions. How about you? You know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I've got a few things I'm, I'm going to work on, but uh, I'm working on them basically through the 12 steps. <laughs> I hear you. Resolutions, resolutions never got me anywhere. I hear that. <laughs> well, I have a, uh, I have have a, uh, a a thing that I like to do that uh, Mitch Bourgeois does our Thursday show. Um, really kind of turned me on to one of the things he says, if you don't uh, if, let's see um, when you plan, first of all, you need to have a plan of some kind. And we know that we like to use that excuse of one day at a time. Well, you know, I don't think that far in advance kind of thing. Some people like to do use that in out of its context. But um, I think it's important to have some kind of plan, some short term goals and some long term goals and that kind of stuff without putting too high expectations, even on ourselves. But um I have this deal where, where, you know, okay, when you have a plan, part of my plan is to review my goals at least three times a week. Because what I don't review, I forget. And what I forget, I don't do. And uh, this year, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna practice some of those, those goal disciplines, if you will. So I, I think that's, I think that's a really healthy thing. I, well, I do, I do too. And, so often uh, uh, those slogans are misunderstood or misapplied. Oh yeah, one day at a time. Yeah, we're supposed to live life one day at a time. But if we were to plan one day at a time, I think our bosses would fire us. <laughs> I think we, I think we would, you know, we would not do what we needed to do to to meet our financial commitments. Uh, so, so often those those slogans are thrown around like. Uh, there be all and end alls, and really, they're only they only point you in the direction of an attitude that you should have. Yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We shouldn't have anxiety or fear about the future if we're practicing a program um, very diligently. We'll get to a point where we don't uh, suffer from those things. Mm-hmm. That allows us to to live in the now, to really enjoy the present, which is which is what what we have. We've got the present. We don't have the future yet. The past is gone. Uh, where we live is we live in the right now. And I think that was the attitude that they were looking looking for us to have in one day at a time. I don't think they wanted us to use it as an excuse, you know, not to do things. Yeah, yeah. Will you help me move my couch tomorrow? Well, I don't plan that far in advance, my one friend. One day at a time, I don't move couch. 
<laughs> so, friends, if this is the very first time you've joined us, uh, welcome to the new year of 2010. And uh, we've been going through the big book uh, page by page, starting, by the way, with the even the dust jacket. Uh, and we are embarking on uh, step 11. How do you want to go through this? Do you want to do a little review, or how do we want to do this in this new year? Sure. We've been pretty meticulous in going through this book, Monty. We've, we've, uh, we've dissected it sentence by sentence so that we wouldn't miss anything. This is a, this is a program for uh, a, a, a methodology of life, basically. It's, um, it, it's a, uh, an explanation of how to live spiritually. And uh, there's, um, you know, there's only a few chapters that really hold, uh, hold the keys to the 12 steps. And we've been involved in those for, I don't know, the past, past 10 weeks or so. We've, we've been uh, in how it works and into action. So we're going through it very, very carefully because because we don't want anybody to miss uh, some of the key ingredients uh, in in this uh, way of life. Uh, because if you do, um, sometimes it's the weakest link in the chain uh, that, that breaks. Same thing with the spiritual life. Some, sometimes it's the things we hold on to or the practices that we don't master uh, that will lead to uh, the, the corrosion of our spiritual condition and us drinking again. So we, you know, we're being very, very careful. We've gone through the first ten steps. We looked at step ten last week, and uh, again, that's basically a, um, a step where, whereby we incorporate all the principles and spiritual direction uh, as we as we live our life. It's a it's a very reactive step. So, so when we're out there um, at our job, or we're we're, <laughs> we're celebrating Christmas with the family or whatever other challenges that you know we may have we're we're to try to apply these principles in our life uh, rather than react uh, the way we've been reacting um, mm-hmm. for a long time you know you know the the term repent Monty, yeah. right yep the term repent is a very very uh, wonderful term it's been maligned over the years you know there's been cartoons with with people saying repent the end of the world is at hand really the the original meaning of repent was to turn around yep. to change and one of the things that we have to do as alcoholics for any type of survival is we need to repent in the original meaning of mm-hmm. that term. We need to turn around and we need to, we need to we need to start doing things differently. The person who thinks that alcohol is the problem and as soon as they're not drinking anymore they'll be able to get on with their life is either a heavy drinker or a much diluted alcoholic. Uh oh one of the one of the reasons why the alcoholic drinks is because of the unmanageability that feeds into the spiritual malady, and that unmanageability and spiritual malady basically is uh, enveloping the alcoholic because of the way the alcoholic is living and thinking. Uh, so it, you know you you have two problems. You you have thinking is your problem, and living is your problem. Now, if it wasn't for those two things, you'd probably be doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we really do need to start applying these, and as we apply them, uh, it's a it's a self uh, self uh, fulfilling type of endeavor. What happens is the more we apply, the more positive results we get. The more positive results we get, the more we want to apply. So, really, what we want to do is we want to get we want to get started on this, 
And uh, and in step ten, it basically says, um, you know, as we uh, started to clean up the past, we start to use the disciplines of uh, step ten and eleven. So we'll we'll start with uh, we'll start reading on step eleven. But what I wanted to do, I was just kind of guided to do this, Monty. You know how we're we're guided sometimes to do do things, and yeah. and we need to listen to that guidance. I would like to read the step eleven material from the original manuscript. Great. So often today out there, when they say this is what we did and this is what we suggest, so many people think they don't mean me. You know, okay, right. that's what those people need to do. That's what those people did. <clears throat> in the uh, in the text from the original manuscript, it's very, very direct in who should be doing this. And, and because I think uh, the prayer and the meditation uh, disciplines have fallen so by the wayside, yet, yes, we say the Lord's Prayer if we're in a support group meeting, and sometimes we'll do a little morning prayer in the morning. But I think, I think in this modern day and age, we've lost uh, so much uh, because of our, uh, our inability to develop uh, disciplines with prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. So if it's okay with you, I will get started. Yep. And it says here, Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. Don't be shy on this matter of prayer. Now think about that. When, I don't know about you, Monty, but when I first, uh, I first came into uh, uh, the fellowship that I was first exposed to, and I was first getting direction from, uh, from my spiritual advisor, I was being told to pray. Uh-huh. I was very embarrassed about that. Mm. Getting down on my knees and praying to God, and I was incredibly fearful that someone might see me. <laughs> you know, so I closed the blinds before you know, and I made sure no one could hear me when I was when I was doing these prayers. Now, now the book is telling us not to be shy. Don't have any apprehension about this. This is gonna. This is a key to. Uh, your freedom as a, as a human going concern. So don't be shy. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if you have the proper attitude and work at it. So you and I have been talking ver- a whole lot about picking out the instructions. If it's telling us to do something, mm-hmm. and we believe this is a textbook, this is the basic text, of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I believe the foundational 12-step uh, instruction manual for any other 12-step organization, I don't care if they write a new book, you know, with the steps in it and change it all around. If you want to have a real step experience, uh, I don't care if you're in Clutterers Anonymous or whatever you're in, You, I really think you would benefit from going back to this book because this is this is the foundational uh, this is the foundational manual. It would be like somebody studying Christianity or, uh, or, or without ever going back to the Bible. Yeah, you, you know you this, you need to you need to consider this the uh, foundational text. So it's telling us that we need uh, we need to to pray. Um, it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can give you some definite and valuable suggestions. Prayer and meditation are so huge that this book it really only introduces you to the, uh, the the type of prayer and the type of meditation that you need to start with. You can get involved in all kinds of disciplines uh, uh, as 
as your spirituality grows in recovery. And you can start developing your own prayers or, or uh, you know, grab some prayers from, uh, from the religious material that's been left behind over the last 3,000 years. Or, uh, or you can, you know, study Eastern uh, meditation techniques. You can study uh, uh, Christian centering meditation exercises. There's many, many directions you can go. But I like, I like anybody that I work with to just do what it says in here for a while. You know, this will, this will help you build up um, uh, a rudimentary discipline, which is something that needs to follow you, follow with you the rest of your life. So often people uh, people will stagger back into treatment or whatever and say, I relapsed, I relapsed. And, you know, if you ask them, well, you know, um, let, tell, tell me how much time you were spending every day on parameditation. Oh, well, not a whole lot. Well, how much time were you spending uh, on uh, uh, enlarging and perfecting your spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others? Oh, well, not really a lot. Oh, well, were, were you, you know, were you continuing to inventory your resentments, your fears, and when you harmed other people. Oh, not not really. Well, then you were supposed to drink. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're not going to see a whole lot of surprise on my face. Yeah. There is actual work that you need to do if you're going to be uh, saying you're working a 12-step program. Um so many people misunderstand the 12 steps. So many people misunderstand the 12 steps who are in 12-step fellowship. Uh, they've had fellowship-based recovery and, or fellowship-based sobriety uh, for a long, long time. And they, have, they, they just don't know that more is available. More yeah. can be revealed. They're, they're just, they're just, they haven't been paying attention. They've been going to calculus class and never opening the calculus textbook, and they've been talking a lot about calculus and hanging out with a lot of other calculus people, but they don't know calculus. It's the same thing in the fellowships. If you don't have a specific experience with actually taking the instructions in this book, you don't have any experience with 12-step recovery. You just don't. You just don't. You, you may be sharing like a son of a gun in the meetings. You, you may have learned how to throw out every, every one-liner and every little wisdom saying there is, and you may have a whole bunch of sponsors following you around like little ducks, but you still don't know what you're doing. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. and again, uh, that's not a very popular uh, message to, uh, <laughs> uh, to 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 bring to people's attention. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is it's it's ab it's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, can I interject something here? You sure can. Uh, yeah, about prayer meditation. You said something. You know, how much time are you spending? And I and I th I think that is so important because, you know, we've all heard people say uh, when it refers to all sorts of things. Well, you know, I do that with quality, not necessarily quantity, but, you know, I mean, you know, I, I spend quality time in prayer. Quantity time isn't important because, you know, that isn't necessarily quality. And, and I really, I think we've been led down a, a wrong path with that. Um, you know, Nobody, you know, would say or be satisfied with, well, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time with my kids, but, you know, the five minutes a week that I do, it's quality. Um, so why would we do that with with God? I mean, and 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 I'm not saying that we have to sit, you know, cross leg on some mountaintop with our guitar and sing Kumbaya for three hours. Um, but what I am suggesting is that uh 
quantity time is so important. And we were talking about goals. One of my goals is to to, to spend more time. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I that I'm you know necessarily praying for an hour, but throughout the day I might want to build up an hour. And you know I'm amazed, Chris. I am absolutely amazed um, of how many people who um, you know follow a spiritual path do not pray with their wives, do not pray with their kids. It's amazing to me how many pastors and priests do not pray um, with their congregation and that kind of thing. And so it, it, like you said, it is so huge. One of the things I've learned by working these 12 steps um, is that my life is such to where I was meant to spend quantity time in prayer with my Heavenly Father. And, and, and you know, it's that line of communication. If, if I don't talk to anybody else in the world, I need to be in communication and listening uh, to the Creator's voice. I, I agree 100% with you, Monty. So many people will, will share, uh, my relationship with God is the most important relationship I have today. And, you know, go up to them after the meeting and ask them how much time they spent with that relationship today. Yeah. If it truly is the most important relationship in your life, shouldn't you be acting as if it is? And, and getting involved in uh, the prayer and, and meditation disciplines. Now, one of the things, one of the things that will, will really show, uh, show you just how deeply they were involved in Step 11 back in the early, early days uh, prior to the, to the writing of this book would be some Oxford group studies. There was, uh, there was some listening to God uh, practices and a number of things that the Oxford groupers would do. But, it, but every single one of them would gather their families together in, in morning quiet time. And, and by studying some of these practices, you know, there's some, there's some great books out there. Uh, Dick B. certainly has a number of them. He's your buddy. Uh, uh, by, by studying some of those, you can get a really, really good glimpse of what these people were doing in the early days. They, it was much more important for them to do uh, morning meditation together than it would have been to go to a meeting. Yeah. It, it was much more important. And and today, with uh, with uh, the conventional wisdom uh, that is uh, that is uh, uh, mainly uh, uh, going through the twelve step fellowships, uh, they, they would like you to think that uh, the the real requirement would be to be attending meeting. Of course, that's important. No one would say that it wasn't. But some of these spiritual disciplines, like if if, if uh, Doctor Bob, uh, you know, could talk to us today. He he would be telling us, uh, you know, well, what, how, you know, how much time are you praying and meditating, young one? You know, how, how much <laughs> are you spending working with others? Uh, those are the things that he would be asking us. Not did you get to a, to ninety and ninety? You know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so again, uh, this, the the prayer and the meditation is is uh, is so important. Now I like to uh, I like to break the eleventh step down into three basic disciplines. Uh, upon awakening, as we move through the day, and when we retire at night. So we're gonna we're gonna look at those three disciplines in step eleven uh, by themselves. And the first one is upon awakening. Now this is this is what it says in the original manuscript. When you awake tomorrow morning, look back over the day before. So that's a little bit of uh, uh, that's a little contemplative exercise that you need. 
you need to do. You need to look back on, you know, how you showed up. How did I show up yesterday uh, going through the day? Were you resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So you need to answer those questions. And where you were or, 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 or when you were, uh, you need to make note of them. Um, because this is very, very important. If you want to move away, if you want to turn away from the behavior that's contributing to your alcoholism, you need to know what that behavior is, and you need to be participating in, uh, in with God in moving away from uh, from those behaviors. Chris, are, are you okay? You're still reading from the original manuscript, correct? Yes. Okay. So, is on awakening is number one versus um, the fourth edition, where where when we retire at night is number one. Yeah, uh, um, this is the, this is the first one when you awake in the morning. Okay. They changed it from the uh, uh, they changed it when the when they printed the first edition, first printing of the big book. For some reason, this actually makes a little bit more sense because this is this is the first thing you do, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. Now, why they changed that, you know, some uh, some some big book historian could probably figure that out. Uh, but upon awakening is the uh, is the first uh, is the first okay. exercise. Good. Do you owe an apology? In other words, if you were selfish, if you were dishonest, or you were resentful, the answer to that is going to be yes. I owe an apology. I owe an amend. Have you kept something to yourself which should be discussed with another person at once? Now I know a bunch of my friends have um, uh, have a network. And it's a phone network, and it's an at once network. In other words, when they're done with uh, when they're done with their eleven step upon awakening, when they have when they have these things that crop up, they have a network of people that they can call and they can share their at once. Hmm. So you know they're they're really following the advice in this book. If you have something that should be shared with someone at once. Wouldn't it be beneficial to have somebody that you could share that with? Yeah. <laughs> so your, your sponsor may not like a call at 8 o'clock in the morning because he may be at work. So it doesn't say that you need to share this with a sponsor or a spiritual advisor. You need to share it with someone else that's, uh, you know, uh, living on living on spiritual lines uh, like, like you are. You can share it with a sponsor if you want. Uh-huh. But you need a network. Were you kind and loving toward all? Here's, that's a good question. Toward all. Were you kind and loving toward all? How about the person that was taking your parking space? <laughs> how, about, how about the woman in front of you in line with uh, 32 items in the 16-item in the lane and, you know, who pays by, by check and has coupons and you're in a hurry? You know, were you kind and loving toward all? Most of us are going to answer no. And listen, no is not a bad answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no good or bad with how we answer this. It, it, you know, we just need to understand that we're working, uh, we're, we're, we're on a path uh, toward uh, enlarging uh, our spiritual life. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to become uh, better people. We're trying to turn around and act like, uh, act like uh, people who are, are recovered. Um, what could you have done better? That's a good one. Yeah. Were you thinking of yourself most of the time, or were you thinking of what you could do for others, of what you could pack into the stream of life? 
Now, we've mentioned this probably 20 times already. I believe that the alcoholic is someone who has a foundation that's built on selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-seeking. We come into the world operating from that foundation. Uh, There's a whole lot of exercises in here, and the prayers and everything are pointing pointing us toward being of help to others. So we always need to be asking ourselves, you know, have we been helpful to others? Or, or, or what we were doing today, was that all about us? And again, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. There's just a truthful answer. <laughs> and then we need to pay attention to that answer, and we need to keep, uh, keep moving forward. And about packing things into the stream of life, one of, uh, one of the great promises... Uh, uh, in this step, basically, is that we're going to become more efficient. Becoming more efficient means we can get a lot more done because we're not burning up energy foolishly, you know, being wrapped around our character defect. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to tell you, Monty, on a good day, I can pack some stuff into the stream of life. Sure. I can get a lot done, and I think that's a good thing. You know, as long as uh, as long as the things that I'm doing have some type of value yeah. uh, uh, to, to to others somehow, I think that I should I should be packing as much into the stream of life as I can. After you have faced yesterday, ask God's forgiveness for any wrong. There's a prayer directive. Ask to be shown what to do. There is another prayer directive. Thus you keep clean as you live each day. Uh, that's very, very important stuff. So uh, I would say for anyone who's just beginning the disciplines of, of Step 11, write down the instructions. Break them out of the book if you have to. Number them if you have to. And be conscious of them. Put them on a card in your wallet. Pull them out every once in a while. Keep asking yourself these questions and developing these disciplines until they become second nature. Once they've become second nature, you are in the realm of the spirit. You are going to be incredibly efficient, and you are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Mm. No doubt about that. Okay, the next discipline is... uh, Wait a minute, I'm not, oh, this is confusing me a little bit because it's, I haven't read this in a long time. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read what it says. Next, think about the 24 hours ahead. Consider your plans for the day. Before you begin, ask God to guide your thinking, especially ask that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motive. Okay, these are things that I do every single morning. I've gotten so used to doing them that I would feel very uncomfortable leaving the house uh, before I do this. But think about the day ahead, okay? You do need to plan a little bit. Um, Before you begin, ask God to guide your thinking. Ask him to to divorce you from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Then go ahead and use your common sense. This is what it says here. Then go ahead and use your common sense. There is nothing hard or mysterious about this. God gave you brains to use. Clear your thinking of wrong motives. Your thought life will be placed on a much higher plane. Hmm. In thinking through your day, you may face indecision. You may not be able to determine which course to take. Here you ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. Relax and take it easy. Don't struggle. 
ask God's help. You will be be surprised how the right answers come after you have practiced a few days. (laughs) What used to be a hunch or the occasional inspiration becomes a working part of your mind. Being still inexperienced and just making your contact with God, it is not probable that you are going to be divinely inspired all the time. That would be a large piece of conceit for which you may pay in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, you will find that your thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration and guidance. You will come to rely upon it. This is not weird or silly. Most psychologists pronounce these methods sound. Now, remember earlier on when it said, you know, you've entered the realm of the spirit, you know, the, the fourth dimension of reality. They talk about those concepts. I believe that this is a great paragraph that describes how we access that fourth dimension of reality, intuitive capacity, to be, able to, to be able to hear God. What are some of your experiences with uh, these type of practices, Bob? Well, you know, the, 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 one, the one here about, oh boy, <laughs> we relax and take it easy. Yeah. That has been one of the hardest things for me to do. Um, because I, like so many other people, uh, will, you know, ask God for inspiration and then try on my own to work that up. And not relaxing and taking it easy. When I do, when I ask God for inspiration for my day and just leave it alone, it is amazing to me how that inspiration just comes, how the motivation, even the energy, Chris. It's it's very, very true. You know, you know a, a funny thing that I'll tell people that I'm working with early on is, don't just do something, stand there. <laughs> Because so often they are pre-programmed. Their default setting is to do something selfish yeah. or do something in a reactive way that's counterproductive to the situation. Yeah. Sometimes if you do relax and take it easy and ask God for a, a thought or an inspiration or a decision, it's going to come to you in that intuitive part of your consciousness, and it's going to feel right. And so you'll go ahead and do it that way, and things will work out. And you will come to rely upon this, uh, this method of operation. Yeah. You know, we used to just, uh, I, I used to just uh, ready, fire, aim, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how I did things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so often they didn't work out, and then I had to find a way to blame others. And then the others would get upset because I'm blaming them for something that's not their fault. And then all of a sudden, my relationships are all screwed up, and, and people are just uh, pe- pe- people are just you know uh, uh, good for nothing, no account, and, and on and on and on. And what, and what we've done is we've set ourselves up from the get-go because of uh, of, of operating from a platform of selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-seeking. And I think th- I think that that. When we put the expectation on ourselves that we're going to be inspired every time we pray, every time we meditate, every time something good happens in our life, I, I think we're cheating ourselves. I think we're expecting a great deal more than even what God expects. 
there are people, and I've met them. Uh, some of them were were my friends who uh, who took this uh, took this a little bit too uh, too literally. I knew one guy once who was you know uh, very very deep into meditative and prayer practices. And what he would do is he would close his eyes while driving. Oh Lord, and, and allow God to steer the car. Now, <laughs> now I, I've got to tell you that there's a there's a great line uh, that that Jesus says when he's being tempted by the devil. And it's basically, thou shalt not uh, uh, tempt uh, uh, thy Lord, Lord. Thy God. yeah. Uh, or what, what is it, Monty? You're better... You're yeah, better thou shalt not tempt thy me. Lord, thy God, yeah. Uh, and and that, again, you know, um, we've got to be very, very careful. God, God gave us brains to use. Uh, he gave us an intuitive capacity. Uh, he gave us reasoning and reaction and, and uh, the ability to have cognitive thought. And those are the things that um, that are, are given to us. So we need we need to learn to learn to use them and align them with uh, the will of God. And and if we can do that, you know, we are going to be placed on a, on the plane of inspiration. We are yeah. going to be inspired. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, we're we are we're going to be uh, you know we're going to be agents of God's will here on earth. And you know, these are some of the promises that this. 12-step process offers us. You, you know, talking about uh, the guy closing his eyes while driving, um, I heard it said one time uh, by Mark Lundholm, who's a Christian comedian, he, uh, not Christian comedian, a recovery comedian, and he said that uh, at Christmas time when I pull up to, to my 12-step meeting uh, and I have some presents for people at the 12-step Christmas party, um, I have those because I love you. But because I know you, I lock my car. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, you know, I mean, it, it, there is a difference between faith and foolishness, is there not? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, God gave us brains to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of us may be more brains than, than others. Uh, but, uh, but again, you, you can't become so heavenly you're no earthly good. That's right. Yeah. Uh, if it's all about being effective, packing things into the stream of life, working and self-sacrificing for others, then we need to be able to do that you yeah. know, with, without, without uh, playing spiritual make-believe. Many people I knew you know, when, I, when I first got involved in uh, 12-step uh, fellowship-based uh, stuff, uh, would they, they had great jobs and everything, but they started to get spiritual, and they started to think, man, you know, my, my work environment is just not conducive to a spiritual life. And, and they walked away from, or got fired from, or laid off from, some, some real, real strong employment that helped, uh, really helped out their family and the people that depended upon them. And they went to the coffee shop where they could talk about recovery all day long and, and uh, you know, got on unemployment so that they could be spiritual. I think that, you know, people like that miss the boat. Yeah, sure they I do. I think we need to be out there. We need to be out there, and we need to be banging heads. And sometimes we need to be in a bad job because that's where the lessons are going to be for yep. us. Sometimes it's time to leave that bad job, you know. Um, uh, God gave us brains to use in an intuitive capacity, and we, we have to start, start using that stuff. Now, here, here it says, you might conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that you be shown all through the day what your next step is to be, that he give you whatever you need to take care of every situation. Ask especially for freedom from self-will. 
Be careful to make no request for yourself only. You may ask for yourself, however, if others will be helped. Never pray for your own selfish ends. People waste a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. I don't know how many people are out there praying they're going to they're gonna win the, the, the million-dollar-plus lottery. Yeah. And you know how well that works. Yeah. You know, you know Chris, this brings us to, to a really, I think, a very, very uh, a, a vital piece of this literature. Um, I can't tell you, and you probably heard this too, I can't tell you how many times in thousands of times, probably in the last uh, 20-some-odd years that I've, that I've been doing this thing, I have heard people say, we are not supposed to pray for ourselves. That is totally out of context, isn't it? They don't want us to have selfish prayer. That's right. Certainly yeah. we can pray. If I'm praying for my health, you know, there's a lot of people dependent upon me. That's not necessarily yeah. a selfish prayer. If I'm praying to get the blonde and, and, and the Ferrari, you know, that's a, whole, that's a whole different story. Right, right. And so, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you just need to keep these things in context. Certainly we can pray for ourselves if others will be helped. But again, you know, spiritual make-believe would be, I- I'm praying to win the $100 million lottery because right. I'll help a lot of people with the money. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, I hear that. I think that, uh, I, I, I th- you know, uh, the good book says God wants to give us the desires of our heart. And I think what happens is the more we grow with this this creator, this power greater than ourselves, the desires of our heart become the things of his will. And I think that's where that that prayer, you know, um, I remember having a job where I I needed transportation to get there and they couldn't they were going to hire me unless I could get there. And obviously. And I said, God, I've got to I've got to get a car. Well, what he supplied was uh, was a bus ticket every single day. (laughs) What you need, maybe not what you want. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You know, absolutely. Now, here's a. Here's a paragraph that goes back to what you were talking about earlier in the show. If circumstances warrant, ask your wife or a friend to join you in morning meditation. If you belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, be sure to attend to that also. Understand that it says also. So many yeah. so many people want to do it instead of. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, so many, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and so many of my, uh, my friends in recovery are Christians, but one of the scariest things I see is when they, uh, when they get so involved in church that they really think the 12-step process is a pagan activity, yeah. a pagan right, and they've, they've, found, they've found the truth. And and uh, a lot of times they get drunk and we see them we see them back in the meeting. How'd yeah. that work for you? <laughs> you know, absolutely. If you're devout and uh, and you have you have a faith um, a faith system, uh, please go about that and do the best you can with it and make it a part of a part of your 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 soul. But if you're an alcoholic. Understand that God, I believe, gave these twelve steps to us in spiritual in a spiritual capacity through intuitive thoughts to some of some of the religious and spiritual members that preceded Bill Wilson. Yeah, and I think that that's what God wants you to do. Absolutely, not, uh, you know, not run off and uh, and speak in tongues somewhere. 
if you're an alcoholic, you better be about this stuff, and then you can be about other things. Yeah, absolutely, it, absolutely. In fact, there's a, there's a place in in the good book that says um, that every de- every deliverance requires maintenance. That's a good. That's a that's a very good statement. Yeah. Every deliverance requires maintenance. How about every repentance requires requires maintenance? Yeah. I believe I believe that's true. Every recovery, that's true. every sometimes, recovery. Sometimes, to, Monty, yeah. you and I are like John the Baptist, crying in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. And you know why we're you know why we're in the wilderness? Because it's really hard to do it in the fellowship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know why do you think John the Baptist was in the wilderness? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if he was doing that in the synagogue, he'd have lasted about a minute and a half. Yeah, there you go. You know, telling people that they can be forgiven by having you know water thrown on their head. <laughs> uh, uh, but he was right. You know, and the people, the people in the temple were were wrong, and uh, I kind of somehow hope hope that you and I are right. And yeah, <laughs> some, some of the conventional wisdom out there is wrong, but you know, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, if you are not a member of a religious body, you might select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. And that's what Bill did with the, the, the prayer of St. Francis in the 12 and 12. Uh-huh. Um, he, fe- he felt that that was conducive to the spiritual principles that they found were, uh, were working for alcoholics, so he put it in the 12 and 12. There are many great prayers out there, uh, you know, certainly the Lord's Prayer, but there are many of them. Yeah. And, uh, and, and please use them. Please find ones that work for you. Please find ones, find ones that you know, may be addressing the certain types of character defects you have and use those. There are many helpful books also. Mm-hmm. i got to tell you, I have, I have gone through three or four libraries of self-help books. Okay, um, Monty, have we talked about the self-help book thing yet on the show? <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think so. I I've heard it said though that uh, uh, some organizations make thousands of dollars giving folks in trouble self help books when self help was their problem. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'll tell you one thing. If I could help myself, I, I probably would have been in better uh, in better shape than I was. Uh, you know, when I when I came staggering uh, yeah into into uh, sobriety. Uh, the thing, the thing is, is this, this isn't a self-help program as much as it's a God-help program. Yeah. Um, there are wonderful books out there, and I've gone through them all. I mean, you know, I started off in a real bizarre ways. I was reading a lot of New Age literature, and there, seemed, there just ended up being, it just seemed, seemed to be so empty, some of that stuff. Like, uh-huh. yes, it sounded wonderful. It was regurgitated spiritual concepts, uh, uh, you know, re, re, with new architecture, uh, and every single one of these books sounded like a big answer, but it wasn't applicable. It wasn't. I wasn't able to put it to use. I was. It wasn't able to transform my life. I wasn't able to access it at that level. I have been with this book, and uh, some of the books that I, that I read today, I have a huge library of stuff. Uh, I'm always reading something. Um, Mainly, I find a lot of my comfort in uh, in some of the masters in Christianity, some of the some of the real wonderful people who have uh, who who have been in, in Christianity. But I, I also read books, you know, uh, uh, about uh, Sufism and you know Buddhism and 
you know, uh, I especially like the American Indian, uh, indigenous American Indian traditions, and I find a, I find a lot of wisdom and comfort in that. But nothing has been as profound uh, for me as this book because yeah. this book has been transformational. Yeah. I don't need more knowledge. Uh, Self knowledge is not an answer. Uh, is not a defense against the first drink. So yeah. Self knowledge is you know so you can't learn your way out of alcoholism. <laughs> I wish you could. You have to act your way out of alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> if you do not know of any, ask your priest, minister, or rabbi. Notice those are religious people that you're supposed to ask uh-huh. for suggestions. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. And remember, Bill was, in the beginning, very, very prejudiced against organized religion. He got over that prejudice fairly quickly and recognized the fact that the spirit, the spirituality he needed to access was being practiced by religious people all yeah. over the place. And he started to get um, religious, um, uh, uh, not sponsors, but basically spiritual advisors, you know, like Sam Shoemaker, uh, Father Ed Dowling. I mean, he went to these people on a regular basis to learn spiritual principles and concept, yeah. uh, concepts from them. Now, here's, here's the part. As you, as you go through the day, I like to link this back to step 10. As you go through the day, pause when agitated or doubtful. Okay, so if you're agitated and doubtful, what are you supposed to do? Pause. Pause. You're not supposed to ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> Be still and ask for the right thought or action. It will come. Remind yourself... You are no longer running the show. Remember our third step decision. Yeah. Humbly say to yourself many times each day, "Thy will be done." How many times? You know, if somebody relapses and comes comes into one of your groups, Monty, ask them how many times a day were you saying, "Thy will be done." Yeah. They'll look at you like you're crazy. But that's an instruction here. Many times each day, we are supposed to be saying this. If you're not saying this, you're not paying attention to the 12-step recovery process. You will be in much much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. Those are all things I would like to avoid. Uh, How about you, Yes, absolutely. Being excited doesn't do me any good. Having fear is, you know, unless my life is in danger, it's, it's usually anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard the other day that the the uh, faith is the opposite of anxiety, and I did some real deep meditation on that, and I started to see the truth in it. Mm. You know, uh, many you know uh, many places in the Bible and other pl- other places, uh, Jesus especially was trying to tell us to no- not have any worry for the morrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and I had to do some deep thinking about that, but it's it made some sense. Um, so fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions are things we want to avoid. So when we're agitated or doubtful, pause, be still, ask for the right thought or action, then listen to that intuitive capacity you're trying to develop. Um, you'll be in much, much less danger of, uh, of these things if you do that. You will become much more efficient. Here's the promise about efficiency. By the way, these are, these are the 11-step promises. You will not tire easily, for you will not be burning up energy foolishly as you did when trying to arrange life to suit yourself. It works. It really does. Try it. 
we alcoholics are undisciplined. Amen to that. Yeah. Let God discipline you in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Yeah. They say that after, after every step. Faith without works is dead. So, so, you know, just having faith and not getting out there and helping other people, that's death for us. Yeah. We can't just get it and then the heck with all the other people. We need to be about the business. We need to be about the Father's work carrying this message to other people. Isn't, somewhere, somewhere, isn't there somewhere in the big book where it says that we are God's agents? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're spearheads of his ever-advancing you know, uh, creation. Yeah. You know, and, that, that's, that's a heavy-duty heavy role to play. And how, so, can, we, how, it, how can we, Chris, how, how can we possibly um, accept that if we're walking around all the time saying, you know, I'm just a drunk, I don't know anything, you know what I mean? You know, I've, I've been mentioning Jesus quite a quite a bit, and I, I know you know you have no problem with that. Right. Uh, he he was about he was about the business of blowing up conventional wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> he, he that was his business to either ignore it or discount it. And there's a lot of conventional wisdom in the twelve step fellowships today. It's it's appeared for whatever reason because it's the easier, softer way, because people found it convenient, because they brought it in from bad treatment centers. For whatever reason, there is some really, really bad conventional wisdom out there. The the next time you go in go go into a fellowship, raise your hand and instead of saying you're an alcoholic Say, my name is Monty. I I'm a spearhead for God's uh, ever advancing uh evolution uh i'm an agent of of god's work on this earth and and, and see what see what happens to the meeting but, but those are actual promises those are actual yeah. promises from this text you know you won't be saying anything that goes counter to the book right but but it, it will it will make you quickly unpopular <laughs> what works we shall treat them in the next chapter which is entirely devoted to step 12 um, so it says here, I want to read this again, but that is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. And then it says, works, what works? So they're asking the question, if we're, if we're saying faith without works is dead, what kind of works are they talking about? It says, what works, with a question mark. Then it shall, says, we shall treat those works in the next chapter, which is entirely devoted to step 12. Now, how powerful is that? They took yeah. that out of the first printing. Yeah, they but, did. But they, they're going to tell you what works you need to be about. And probably it's going to take us three or four weeks to get through uh, working with others. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to need to do that because so many people are not paying attention to the instructions in that chapter. A lot of people stop right here at uh, Chapter 6. Lots think, of people you know, do. That's it. Lots of people do. And, and lots of sponsors stop working with their people here which amazes me and i don't know if it's because some people perceive them as okay this is just the maintenance and you can do that i mean you know just go back and look at where you become come from um it it wouldn't have been written if it wasn't important you know in the early days they found the people who were staying sober were the people that were working with others and the people who were also developing spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. 
that's important. If you're suffering from uh, a progressively fatal illness called alcoholism where you're going to end up drinking yourself to death, you know, you need to be paying attention to that. I just got a call from somebody. I get, I, I'm Grand Central around here for, for calls, and this guy's ended up in the hospital. And he's having probably 20 feet of his lower intestines chopped out oh, as we speak. Wow. But he had, I forget the name of this, but there's a certain chemical in your body that promotes healing. And you need to be at about 1,000. This guy's, this guy's level was 10. So the, the, the chemicals, the compounds in his body that could promote healing, because the only sustenance he's had has been alcohol. He hasn't. He didn't. He didn't take in the nutrients or the vitamins or whatever to be able to have a healthy body. His body is eating itself. Now, this is one of the ways we go. We go. We go through malnutrition, but it's only one of the ways. And again, if we're suffering from an illness that can take us out in such a grand fashion, I think we would be paying attention very, very closely to a path that they have seen rarely seen someone fail we would be asking ourselves, how then shall we fully follow that path? Yeah. That would be what we would be about. So, you know, for anyone out there that's, uh, that's drinking themselves to death, maybe you've come, you've come into a 12-step fellowship and life still really is really difficult for you, pay attention to this stuff because there's freedom, there's a, there's a wonderful life to be had, and it can be had by doing it this way. Yeah. We are embarking on the 12th step next week. But that doesn't mean it's over, <laughs> does no, it? it does no, it's just <laughs> beginning. There's more instructions in the next chapter than there have been in all the chapters previously. Mm. you believe that? Wow. Wow. So, so we need to pay attention. Yep. Time, to, time to pay attention. So, uh, folks, if your highlighters are drying out, go get some this week and <laughs> bring them back, and to join us uh, as we embark on the twelve, uh, the, the uh, excuse me, uh, step twelve, and uh, we're going to look at what works uh, as uh, not what works, but what works are we talking about that we're going to be doing uh, to uh, really, in many ways, contribute to the success of our sobriety on a daily basis, right, Chris? Absolutely. Uh, if you want to ensure immunity from alcohol, come back next week and we'll show you how to do that. Awesome, awesome! Uh, another great, uh, another great hour. I'm just so grateful, Chris. Thank you so much, Monty. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. All right, folks, don't forget to join us next week as once again we walk through the big book. Bye bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. <laughs>